This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. All right, guys, we're recording. We got all three going. Yeah, feel free to leave that in. Uh, that's how it sounds at the beginning of the podcast, everyone out there, specifically the Limit Up podcast. It's presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm here, as usual, with uh, Dan Hodgman. But we also have uh, a very special guest who's going to be hopefully making more appearances with us. It's uh, Top Step founder and chief visionary officer, Michael Patak. How you doing, gentlemen? Good to have you here. Now that you're uh, going to be more regular on here, we got to get you a nice setup and a decent microphone. Well, I got a good setup right now. I got my overalls on right now. I got that, and I got my snowboard out in the car. So, you know, I was going to say hitting the mountains right after this. <laughs> Probably later today, a couple of runs. <clears throat> but yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to be on with you guys. I'm excited. Nice. It's a great setup for everyone, but our producer who will be going through the sound in the background. But it's a uh, real life. What are you going to do? So uh, MP is joining us today in the theme of uh, trader development we're doing for the next 12 weeks, specifically getting started. We thought that we would talk a little bit about brokerage accounts today. And this isn't going to be, even if you've been doing this for a while, we're going to kind of talk about things we've taken away, some stories, what to look for. So there should be a little something for everyone, even if you're just getting started or been doing this for a while. So MP, we're uh, glad to have you. But first, uh, we were just talking on Coach's Playbook, which we recorded before this. We were talking about the melt-up that's going on in stocks. So uh, just throwing something timely. MP, how are you feeling right now about that? Well, it is, uh, I want to say it's a weird melt-up, but it's kind of like status quo. It's been melting up for, for as long as we've been talking about waiting for the meltdown. So uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, the Nasdaq's not melting up as much as the Dow and the uh, S&P has, but, you know, it's it's kind of what happens before a correction, but we've been talking about that for a while. So where is that? When is that? I don't know. You know, that's one of the. It's funny you bring that up. That was the same point I brought up in Coach's playbook this morning. I kind of said the Nasdaq's been the leader for the last twelve months plus of these markets. Um, it's really kind of de- defined direction, and now all of a sudden the Nasdaq's the laggard and having down days when S and P's and Dow are having up days. It's kind of interesting. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. A lot of those fangs are sitting in the Nasdaq too, right? Yeah, it's a fool's errand. And talk about the dumbass me. I have some uh, uh, covered call options expiring this Friday that are hugely in my face. I thought at some point (laughs) during this uh, that I was going to take some cash. You know, there's no way. I bought it uh, at a strike price that was Apple's previous high. And I was thinking from last year, thinking, you know, I got this. I, I got this Apple. This will be nice. No way it's going past its highs. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. I'm not afraid to admit it. And that is why we are the premier trading show. If you're into, uh, we are traders. Yes, we are not investors. The Demos me uh, did not get a part of any of that rally. So we're very very lightly. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I I always come from the trader perspective on things. How much am I willing to risk? How much? Uh, am I looking to take out of that, you know, either one and a half, two to one, things like that. You know, you hear other people talking about trading. They're just like, I'm in. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll touch really briefly on the Bitcoin Tesla supernova, as we've dubbed it. Uh-huh. But I, I think that's a common theme is, uh, yeah, trading is so much different from investing. And a lot of time traders are the worst people to take investment advice. I know so many people who were 
kick-ass traders, uh, you know, day trading treasury bonds who made the d- dumbest investment decisions. You know, they were they were out the S and P at at twelve hundred and using it to uh, buy all sorts of crazy shit. But <laughs> like, I tend I tend to pay people to do my bigger investments um, because yeah. I have too much of the trader mindset. So I have other people to do that type of stuff for me. Like I can do short-term stuff. I can do simple stuff, yeah. but I'm not dumping my retirement stuff on my hands. I, I got people that I are better at that than I am. And, and I think that's trading and everything that has to do with the financial market in general, recognize where your strengths are and in your weaknesses, find people that can help you with those weaknesses. Yeah. So you're, not, you're not, the, you're not the, uh, the new Jordans are coming out. I got to buy Nike type of guy. No, I'm the guy over here that was on an iPhone 5 until I got a hand-me-down iPhone 10. Um, and then my iPhone 10 just totally shit the bed, broken, nothing worked. And I had a, the frustration I had to do to go out and spend 800 bucks on a new iPhone was, I, I mean, I, I worked with a broken iPhone for a month that you couldn't touch an inch of the screen because I don't want to spend the money on it. The only product out there that you will cuss out and then you'll go buy another one exactly like it, newer and more expensive. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, you remind me of this guy I traded with who would like, he was a good, he was a good trader. He's making a successful career and would, in his free time, you know, buy 50 Patagonia jackets on sale to return them for like, you know, all about the hustle and just absolutely no shame. I saw I saw him like buy and return 50 Patagonia jackets. It, to make like the $2.50 that he can make on the return at the high price. The guy was arbing fleeces. <laughs> if you can arm, you can arm. I mean, that's a policy thing when it comes to Patagonia, I guess. I get it. <laughs> so anyway. That's on Patagonia. Anyway. I made my money arbing, so uh, it, was in the, it was in the markets. But hey. That is a marketplace of sorts. Right. So if you're someone that this, uh, this, if this sounds like you, you might be the type of person that's interested in opening a brokerage account. Ooh, nice transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we can weave in some of the other stuff into it. Uh, but um, that's obviously the way most retail traders go about it is you open up a brokerage account. There's tons of way to do it. And uh, that is, is most basic account, a taxable account usually. Uh, where you can trade dep- whatever securities you're qualified for, pretty much. Dan, qualified for. What's up? Qualified for. Qualified, qualified for, yes. Uh, we'll get to that part for sure. Uh, let's go a little bit down memory lane. Dan, uh, what was your first experience with a brokerage account? Uh, I would say mine's probably different than 99% of people in the world. Um my first brokerage, a uh, broker, essentially, I was a little kid and my dad, I was down on the floor and I asked, and my dad asked me, he goes, do I buy one or sell one? I was like, well, you got to buy it. And I don't know if he actually bought one. I don't know what he did, but um, he would have, I would check, we would check in every day after work. He'd come home from work and I'd be like, and I'd be off of school and be like, all right, dad, how did I do? And we would check in. And then like at the end of a couple weeks or whatever, he he paid me some money. So that was my first brokerage. But then as I got a little bit older and I started getting more into it, um, I was added straight into the prop firms brokerage. I had a mini little tiny account that I could, um, I had to have permissions and I had to have guidance when I was buying and selling. I was like 16 or something. Um, so that was really my first experience. And to this day, I'm still using some of those same accounts that I've had since I was a kid. Um, I trade a lot on TT. Uh, it's most of my execution, trading technologies. And, uh, that's where most of my execution comes from. 
Um, I'm, it's simple. I don't like changes. Um, but one of the biggest things you have to keep in mind with brokerages is it, it's this idea of margin, um, which is, I think, especially for new people, is a very confusing topic. Um, you think you have $500 and you can, crude oil is $10, you know, a tick. And if you, you buy one and it goes against you, you know, 10 cents, you're a hundred dollars against, okay, not a big deal. But then all of a sudden you have to think about what the cost of that contract that you're owning, what your margins are. And that's what really gets confusing. And then you get those margin calls from the brokerage firm saying, Hey, it's against you. Um, you got to put more money in or you're out. Yeah. yeah so you got, you are a part of the very, very small percent because many, many people don't start where you started. Whatever. Right. Even, and, and, even the future margins, futures, uh, maintenance margin, all that stuff. That's a, that's that's. I, I have, I, I, and I. I that's the why I said that. I said I think it's very different than ninety nine percent of the trading world. Well, I too started in a way ninety nine percent different. Uh, but it starts out the same. I scrapped together. I was a sophomore in college and scrapped together some uh, maybe like five thousand dollars and uh, fired up Fidelity. And uh, I'll tell you where I'm different than 99% of people is uh, I managed to lose basically all of it in an unlevered stock account. Um, <laughs> well, maybe if I tell you exactly when I was a sophomore in college, this will begin to make sense. This was uh, 2007. Yeah, I went fully invested in 2007. Um, I was not a sophomore in college, but I was in my late 20s. I was painful. I bought a little company. It was on a super bargain. It was called Bear Stearns. <laughs> it was it was trading at eighty, and I bought it at forty, thinking that I was Warren friggin' Buffett, and <laughs> not to be. I think I think I took out the rest of it. Like I, I think I saved maybe a hundred, a couple hundred bucks from the ordeal, and bought like a television. So, uh, <laughs> would that be a bigger monitor or a television? No, television. I was done until uh, I, I, I didn't trade again until I got a job in trading. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I was a math and econ guy. I, I needed someone to refine my strategies. But don't be too depressed because if you got Bear Stearns, I was long, heavy long at XLF, which is a financial ETF back yeah. in 07 that got crushed. Yeah. So uh, both of us started sort of like in that stock thing, uh, me and MP at least. So when you're looking at brokerage accounts, they're all around. They're advertising to get you. You really need to kind of assess your need. You know, don't just click on the first ad you see. You need to start thinking about what you want to trade, uh, how much, and what kind of features you need to be successful. So I think the first place that you should start is, you know, what do I want to trade? Do I want to trade futures? Do I want to trade Forex, stocks? They all have different uh, flavors, if you will. You know, stocks, you're going to have um, a margin account that works a little bit differently uh, with the margin loans and things like that than futures, which is what most of our traders do. And uh, maybe this is a good time to go into our talk on margin. So, uh, Dan, do you want to explain a little bit? So when you open a futures brokerage account, a little bit about what that entails as far as a margin. Absolutely. So a lot of times, so we'll stick with crude oil um, or whatever product you're buying. So if you're buying a bond, you're buying a $100,000 note. Um, your job is not to put up that 100000 It's not a one-to-one. Um, every brokerage is going to be a little different. There are regulations around it. I do know some brokerage firms um, have higher margins, so you can trade with a little bit more with a little bit less money. Um, the FX side, 
Um, some of them are have extreme margins outside of the United States. Um, you know, I know you can go places and you can trade with, gosh, 500 to one, um, even a thousand to one, you can have massive margins. And so essentially what a margin is, or this idea of leverage is you're putting up money and the brokerage that you're trading with is saying, we'll give you room to trade bigger based off of the products that you're trading, but you only have to put up a certain amount of money. But once you get outside of that margin or within too close within that margin, all of a sudden you're going to have to front more money to maintain your positions. Um, margins really one of the more confusing things to a beginner. Um, Dan, I always looked at it as margins where like, okay, you have a checking account, you put money into it, and then you get a line of credit that just, yes, it's a line of credit. Perfect. Line of credit. So that's it, a perfect way of putting you it. You get a hundred bucks. You, you automatically get a line of credit of $200 or hundred dollars. Now you got $200 of buying power. Yeah. I think an important thing to take away of margin, if you're a beginner is to be familiar with the concept of, uh, your initial margin and your maintenance margin, because those are the two important things. When you open an account, it's all dependent on how big a position you want to open. But basically, the initial margin is how much you're going to have to put up uh, initially. You know, that's why they call it the initial margin. That is, uh, that is a fact. Uh, it's how much money you're going to have to put up to begin trading that product. Uh, the maintenance margin is lower than that. And basically, if the equity in your account dips below that, then you will receive the dreaded margin call. See, in my stock example with Bear Stearns, even though it was incredible that uh, I was able to lose it all in a non-levered account, in non-levered accounts, you don't have to deal with things like margin because you can only lose what you invested. If you're trading derivatives, if you're trading futures, or if you're trading stocks that are borrowed, you can lose far more than you put in. And that is sort of the double-edged sword of a margin loan. And you, those margin calls really suck when you're a senior in college. It's right after September 11th, and you're at the library, and they're telling you to liquidate your position. Are they are they calling you on your pager? Uh, they call, call back ASAP. They were calling me on my phone, and I called them back from a landline in the uh, uh, the, the library because I had been avoiding them. <laughs> so yeah, that was they're painful. They're painful because. They are almost like a risk manager of sorts. They're basically saying, "Hey, you know, let's get let's get you peeled off of this position." So, and you're saying in your head, "No, because I like it, and it's going to go up. It's going to go up. It's going to go up." So, yeah, margin calls are not not good. So, if we're all, if we're talking to newbies here, I tell newbies to stick with a cash account, focus on trading that very lightly, and get get comfortable with that. Well, actually, I'd say step back even further and go sim account. And, and trade, that, trade a that for a little paper, bit. Paper trade that for a little bit, not millions of dollars worth of that stuff. Can you trade the smallest amount? And can you uh, put a plan together of how much you want to risk on the trades and how much you want to take out of the trades? And then do that for a little bit. And then I'd go to a cash account. And then eventually, um, once you're comfortable, uh, possibly uh, open up a margin account. Once you open up a margin account, you go through a cold streak. It's not the same type of cold streak as it is with the cash account because that money goes a lot faster sucks out of your account. Prime example we had took place this year. Um, we've all heard the story of Interactive Broker. Um, when crude oil went negative, the May contract went negative 30 some dollars, whatever it was. Um, their systems could not show the market going negative. We had people sitting in positions. You had a guy, I think one of the best stories I heard, you had a guy that had about 80 grand in his account. And he was actually doing really well. 
and um, the market kind of flattened out at like two cents and he just kept buying it. Um, the market was not showing it go lower. And he woke up in the morning because this you have issues and you're trading in uncharted territories, things we've never seen. It's very easy to kind of get lost in that. And he woke up in the morning with millions of dollars against, and he didn't have millions of dollars. It's a prime example of trading these leveraged accounts. The market can go against you and you can lose a lot more than you have. As I recall, the number was he had something like a $7 million margin call, but he didn't have to pay it. Uh, Interactive brokers ended up getting hosed for something like $80 million in that. But uh, Which I think was great. They stuck up. They stuck to the point. And I know the owner came out and said, I will cover this myself if we have to. And I thought that was uh, a really good testament to that organization, that business. So that brings us to some things to look for. Like you mentioned how the owner there for uh, IB took care of that. So once you assess kind of what your needs are as far as what you're trading, uh, it's time to go out there and start comparing what's offered as far as brokers. And the things you're going to want to look for is, of course, legitimacy. Before you just, you don't always want to go with the bargain basement of everything. You need to figure out what sort of features you need as far as technical analysis, indicators. Are you a programmer? Are you going to be writing scripts and code? You're going to need something that's robust enough with that. How many trades are you making? What are the fees on that? All those things should calculate in your decision. But I think maybe the most important is to have a reliable counterparty. And I think that's especially, we talked about this last week, Dan, but especially um, a good thing to look into when you're trading Forex because it's less regulated. Mm -hmm. I think always testing out. It's like uh, if you're going to go to, if you you got Fender Bender, you're not just going to go to the first auto body shop and then say, all right, start working on it. Test out three different brokerage. At least they always say to test out, uh, get three different bids before you uh, uh, have your car serviced or something like that. So test out three different platforms you like. Because again, you got to get comfortable liking the platform that that broker provides. So that's a big piece of it too. And then there's the legitimacy part of it. The if it's forex. You know, uh, that's that's a big uh, world of, of a lot of brokers. So um, do your research there on the equity side of stuff. It's a little bit different, but um, yeah, I, I mean, you're getting you got to get used to the remote control to play to play, play the markets, so to speak, in, in those terms. So uh, just like Xbox or the Wii or the uh, the PlayStation, you know, feel them out. Go to your buddy's house, feel out which one they are. Look over your buddy's shoulder. What do you got? What do you, and ask questions, then test it out. Take it for a test drive. Right. You need the right platform and then you need to have an understanding of sort of uh, the, the the total cost of everything. There's a lot of fees that can go into having a brokerage account besides just how much it costs to trade, say, a future. Um, if you're trading stocks, the uh, rates on margin loans will be different, uh, generally lower the more that you have in reserve, just like any other loan that you would get for your house or your car, the more likely they're uh, number crunchers say you are statistically to pay them back, the better a rate you'll get, but that's something to figure into it. Platform fees, are you paying for information, uh, data? These are all things to look into. And we're lucky because it's not so opaque anymore. You can look online and see all sorts of reviews and find people that you trust and see what they trade with. I think that that's probably the best way to select. So something that we talked about last week, and I wanted to come back this week with a little bit more information is when it comes to the Forex side. Obviously, we talk a lot about futures, but Forex is a huge market. Um, 
it's traded much bigger than futures around the world because um, literally anyone traveling from one country to the next is going to an exchange desk to change their whatever their currency is for the currency they're going to. There are multiple different kinds of brokers. Well, on the futures side, it's a pretty simple process. It's uh, It goes off of this concept of a STP, a straight through process. And essentially you're trading with the other side of that market. There has to be someone on the other side. Forex has different options. And some of those options are, they kind of start from the high side. The There's a dealing desk. And that dealing desk sends it straight to a market maker. And that market maker can be another brokerage. Uh, then you have a non-dealing desk. And that non-dealing desk has a couple different options. They have um, where we can go, what we talked about, STP, which is what Top Step is. It's a straight through process. And all it is, is it's taking your order and finding a matcher on the other side. That's another retail style trading. You have an ECN. An ECN is called, um, I want to get my terminology straight here, Electronic Communications Network. And basically what that's doing is it's taking your trade that you're putting up um, and it's putting it out there to different banks and inter different banks and people have different options on who wants to take the side of that. And then you have uh, this non-dealing desks and dealing desks and they can have the option to not fill your order, but tell you you're filled so they can hedge you. They can go against you. They can buy you. Um, There's a lot of questionable things that can happen. So before you get into any sort of futures brokerage account, I'm not going to tell you which one the best is. Um, I think that's on each and every person to decide what they think is best for them. Personally, if I'm trading Forex, I'm looking at an STP. I want someone on the other side of that market for me. So there's a bunch of different things you really have to look into on the Forex side when it comes to brokerage firms. Like I said, futures is very regulated. It has to go through the exchange. There has to be someone on the other side. Just because you're trading in, say, NinjaTrader in, in the Forex market, if you're trading, if NinjaTrader is a Forex broker, Chances are you have the other person has to be on Ninja Trader futures. That's not the case. It goes to the exchange, and any other platform can fill that other side of the order. But it has to be someone on the other side. It cannot be the bank. It cannot be the brokerage firm. They cannot hedge against you. So, a couple things to always keep in mind when you're thinking about brokerage firms. One more thing I would consider is as we talked about mar- uh, margin rates as well, is that a lot of places will try and lure you in by trading as much leverage as humanly possible. That is not necessarily, dare I say, just playing not a great idea. Uh, the more the more extreme margins you get, I can't think of examples off the top of my head, but I know you can get 500 to 1 in Forex or there's, there's, there, there's places where you can trade futures with very, very small. Basically, it's that's going to eat you up very quickly. It's just not, it's just not a smart way to entering. <clears throat> you know, you're going into the, you're, if anybody's putting money in the markets, they're going into it with some level of, I want to excel at this as a professional. And if you're, if you're going after it for, for that big, shiny, ding, 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 the casino type of, type of atmosphere, then just go to a casino. Just, just go to a casino. So um, be very smart about this kind of stuff. Don't, Say I got I got I got a thousand dollars. Where can I get the maximum amount for my thousand dollars? Oh, somebody over here is five hundred one leverage. Ooh, a little sc- who cares? I don't care. And I'll go, that's just a scary proposition. So be smart. Risk management starts, and the name of the game is risk management. Foundation that you're going to need to build anyway um, starts with making a decision on 
who to go with, how much you want to go into the, uh, put in the account, and then the, the leverage side of the, the factor. Are you going for the, the absolute monster um, maximum I can get, but that's going to deplete my account like that? Or, you know, are you going to be a little bit more prudent? Right. And it, it, a good example would be if, for whatever reason, you had to drive a thousand miles through the desert to someplace, you probably wouldn't start by being, well, what is the absolute minimum amount of equipment and supplies I can buy so that if I just hold down the accelerator, I will get there in the minimum amount of time. Uh, I don't need spare tires. I don't need extra gas. I don't need water. I am not. Nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to go wrong. Yeah. And something to add into that too, when you have these opportunities for these extreme leveraged accounts, um, first off, it only benefits the broker in that aspect. The broker is the one that can make the the commissions on every trade that you're taking, they're taking their fee, every trade you make. So if they are allowing you to trade more, that means more fees come to them. And the second it goes against you, who's accountable? You are as the trader, not that brokerage firm. So if it goes against you more money than you have, you're they're going to freeze you out. They're going to put me yeah, something happened to me three times and I know exactly how it feels. And it's uh, pretty, uh, uh, I'd say they're emotionless on the one side because they just disable your account when you get hit. And then you need to come up with the money to re-enable your account to keep trading. So um, they don't care if you got more, if, if you didn't learn a thing, but if you show up with money, they'll re-enable your account. So the whole goal here is is basically don't put yourself in those positions and trade smart. And the only way to do that, again, is to start slow. Cool. It- yeah, j- just a shout out to everybody out there too. Uh, Michael's on the road right now, so he's in a uh, coffee shop doing his best to contend with blended <laughs> frappuccinos or whatever they're making. Oh, over I, there. I ordered sixteen smoothies; they're still working. On it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's like the old saying with uh, you know, if you lose a million dollars, it's your problem. If you lose a hundred million dollars or lose a billion dollars, is the bank's problem. If you lose a couple thousand dollars. It's definitely not their problem, right? They don't care. Right. Like you're, if you're trading small, they're going to shut you out. It's not going to be a great experience. So definitely be careful. Always monitor your risk. And there's rules, depending on what you're trading, that govern this for that same reason. For instance, the uh, pattern day trader rule. So if you're trading stocks or options, um, if you make more than I think it's four single day trades in a week, or I forget what it is, but it's some minimum amount of trades. Um, you get labeled a pattern day trader and you have to have at least $25,000 in your account to uh, trade securities. Uh, there's there's ways to get around that, obviously, but know the rules like that before you go in and open an account. Uh, know what your downside is. How much are you willing to lose? Margin is something that can be very destructive if not used by people that kind of know what they're doing. So that would be my biggest takeaway to anyone thinking about doing that. And one thing that's really awesome now that we've introduced on the future side, obviously Forex, you've always been able to trade less than one full standard contract. Um, the CME has introduced these micro e-mini contracts for the equities. Everyone wants to be involved in equities. They are the sexiest of them all. They're fun to watch. Every notification you get on your phone is they're talking about equities. Um, and now we've they've introduced this micro contract, which is a tenth the size. Um, it's 
allowed more people enter into the marketplace. And I think it's something if if you're starting to look to open up a brokerage account, um, you've done the research, you know what your brokerage you're going to go with, you've paper traded, you've done some SIM trading because you can get SIM on all platforms. I think you can get some of them 14 days or even longer for a free demo account. Um, you have a lot of options and you've done the due diligence to get to that point. And you're starting to think about opening up a brokerage account. The first thing I will say is start small, start with those micros. It's going to allow you to take a little risk, experience that real feel of money, because that's huge in this world of trading is understanding that when you enter that first tick against you is your money coming out of your pocket. That's real dollar bills. And that's a big psychological barrier for new traders um, that if you can do it in the micros and you can take relatively small risk, a dollar or two, three dollars, you can kind of start to experience that. And then you can scale from there and you can get a little bigger if you get a little bit more successful. But that's one thing I will say, anyone thinking about starting, look at the micros. Yeah. Don't trade what you can't lose. This has to be a section of your overall portfolio. As we said earlier, we're not great investors by any means, but um, we do understand that. That is something I'll stand by that only what you should be not destroyed by losing should be in your brokerage account trading. And going back to what Danny said about micros, if you can't trade small, you cannot trade big. That's a, I've seen, this is my shared experience of the, however many you're trading. <laughs> but if you can't trade small, you can't trade big. So always start off small. I know the itch is going to be like, well, I got more money in my account. Instead of one, I'll buy two. Mm, trade small, trade um, consistently, trade profitably, and then think about scaling up. Yeah. And as we talk about this idea of trading and investing, two completely different hats you have to wear. Um, you have to recognize that when you're trading, there it is not a long-term thing. Um, and you have to accept that right away. You have to. You can't do this concept of, well, it's starting to go against me, um, but I really like this position. I did that all. Transfer it to my investment yes, I did that in the very beginning. I'm like, oh, it's going against me, but I still like it. Put that one over here and start looking at other things that's just a bad way to do it because now you're you don't know what if you're trading or if you're if you're investing and you're not doing both of them very well i can guarantee that right right shameless plug by the way uh another way to do it is what we offer at top step if you're interested i mean Boom. We're, i mean we're open to however you want to trade i just would be you know they uh Produce the podcast. We do. So if you want to check out uh, topsup.com, that's another way you could do it where, you know, you pay a monthly fee and you earn our capital. And hey, you won't get a margin call. We'll get a margin call. And there's a slight reason why we just we designed the company the way we are so people can learn safely and people can get comfortable. And then people could say, oh, I earned a funded account. Or guess what? I think I'm good enough that I'm going to trade on my funded account. And I'm going to open up a brokerage account because I'm in that position. And that's where you need to be as a trader, you, the diving head first into a brokerage account. It's, it, to me, I lost three $30,000 brokerage accounts um, over the course of like four or five years. Uh, painful every step of the way. Didn't learn as much uh, as I did until I, uh, uh, four years after you know, uh, I lost all that. I got with a prop firm and they put me on a simulator. And they said, you're starting here. I go, I don't, I, I trade much bigger than, than this. And they go to me, there's a reason why you're here. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mentioned something that's really cool too. It's one of my favorite things about Top Step is watching one of our traders grow their funded account, being able to use those funds that they earned in their 
funded account with TopStep, and then be able to go to open their brokerage account. Um, I think that to me is one of my favorite things to see when I talk to traders and I'll talk to them and they say, you know what? I'm pulling out a big chunk of money out of my funded account. Don't worry. I'm not going to go blow it. I'm going to open up a brokerage account and I'm going to continue to trade the same way I've been trading. I love to hear that. Phone Having call. multiple accounts is totally normal in this business. I have a 401k. I have a, I have my own personal discretionary long-term stuff that I do. Um, I have stuff, uh, an account where I only hold stuff for like, you know, two, three, four months. And then I have my day trading account. These are normal, but you need a you don't go that direction right away unless, you know, a lot of people start with 401ks because they get out of college and all that kind of stuff. But the thing about it is you want to get comfortable on what style of trader you are that you want to work at. And that's usually, if you're going to do that, it's usually, if you're, if we're listening, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to want to be more active or you're, you're, you're passionate or, or you have interest to be a little bit more active in trading. Um, but in investing, you have a longer horizon, you know, anything, um, swing trading, couple weeks hold, day trading, day trading hold. So find your swim lane, get good at that, do it really small, and then think about scaling it up. And you're not scaling it up to some crazy amount. You can scale it up just a little, and then you find your swim lane right there, and you can call that a steady, great supplemental income each and every year. Yeah, and on that topic of scaling too, one of the most common things I've learned over the years is there are traders that are really, really consistent at that, making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. They they're very comfortable in that swim lane when they try and scale it up to be that hundred thousand dollar trader or the hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollar trader. Then they start to struggle, and all of a sudden they're making less than they were when they were trading in their swim lane. And you have to recognize that just sometimes you are a type of trader, and there's a certain appetite for risk that you can handle. Um, when that dollar sign starts going, again, it's that major psychological barrier. It takes a lot of work and time to truly scale up like that and just start to recognize where you fit, where your comfort zones are. At what point are you getting uncomfortable in the profits? At what point are you getting uncomfortable in the losses? And where are those comfort zones that can still create successful trading? I yeah. think uh, uh, one last point, I got to jump in here because Danny, that's a really good point, is is the 60000 the 70000 Find out also like what you're really shooting for. If you're shooting for a million dollars a year and you can't even put up $50,000 a year, then you're not going to hit a million dollars a year. But if you're hitting $50,000 a year, then start thinking about your expectations. Been like, this might be a great income to have. And it doesn't have to be my primary one because I only do this three or four hours a day and I could do this something else. So think about that. And, and, and um, I've always learned to increase your standards, lower your, lower your expectation, increase your standards of what you do uh, go about your trading lower your expectations and you can get yourself to where you want to be financially again if you lower your expectations it goes off that famous quote i don't know if it was bill gates or steve jobs that said um and you guys can correct me who it was the concept of we underestimate what we can do in one year but or we overestimate what we can do in one year but underestimate what we can do in 10 years and i think that's trading in a nutshell we have this idea of what we're going to do in one year but if we start to open it up if i'm still in this for 10 years where can I be in 10 years? I don't have to get there in 365 days. But if I can do that in 3,650 days, we got a little bit more time. We can extend that runway. That is Bill Gates. And I think that's a great place to kind of conclude our conversation today. I uh, hope you learned some stuff about brokerage accounts. MP, thanks for stopping by. I hope that you come join us again. We'll uh, we'll send you out a mic there. I still and, Yes, I need yeah, a mic. 
Yeah, I hope your your smoothies Mike are needs set. A mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit the slopes, MP. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, to everyone out there, we'll be back next week with uh, some more trader education, hopefully for all the levels. Uh, this has been the Limit Up Podcast, produced by Top Step. Namaste, and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.